Welcome to The Corporate Middle. I'm your host, Donald Metter. Today on the show, I have a special guest for you, Anna Oaks. She's a TEDx speaker and the CEO of We Restore Humanity, where she focuses on helping leaders, teams, organizations get out of their own way to maximize performance. Her main focus is on building high-performing teams. She's done this many, many years as a corporate people leader, and now she does it helping individuals and entrepreneurs find the right way to lead, which is exactly what we talk about on this show. Today, we're going to talk about what do we need to be providing as middle managers to build that high-performance team. You're going to want a pen and paper on this one. I think you're going to get some good, insightful advice today, so we might as well get right to it. Welcome to The Corporate Middle, your survival guide for corporate insanity. Anna, thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm really happy to have you. Oh, I'm stoked. I'm stoked that we get to sort of meet um, voice to voice, at least after our group uh, before 2020. So this is fun. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that really caught my eye, you recently wrote an article about three steps to move from competition to collaboration on LinkedIn. I read through that article and it really hit a chord with me because it's so true, especially as a leader and a middle manager of a team, you have to find a way to get people to work together even though they may be trying to jockey for promotion or things like that, the only way to be successful is to collaborate. So what can we do as a leader to help facilitate that? Thank you for asking that. That is such an important job of a leader because, you know, the article really is about what can an employee do to take ownership Mm -hmm. of this so that they can move themselves from competition to collaboration. But the leader sets the tone for that, right? I mean, I often Mm -hmm. talk about leadership being very similar to parenting. If something is off in the parenting partnership, or even if it's a single parent, if something is off with me, I take ownership. The first thing I do when my kids are off is I look at me, I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I'm in a bad mood. Oh, interesting. (laughs) The same thing happens for leaders. What tone are you setting for your team in order to move them towards that collaboration? If you are not paying attention to them, They're Mm going to vie for your attention. That is honestly the number one mistake I see leaders make is not paying enough attention to their team as a whole and individually. And you need to do both. need to do both. Yeah, absolutely. I I know that I have done that poorly (laughs) many times as a leader and as a middle manager. It's so difficult because there's so many things vying for your attention whether it's product deadlines or your own boss and your own career, that it's easy to make the mistake that your team is on autopilot and Mm. you don't pay attention to them. You don't nurture that relationship. And it's to the detriment, not only of of your own career, uh, just selfishly, it's just to the detriment of the team as a whole. Totally. And and listen, I'm all about building high-performing teams, but I don't want to do that at the sacrifice of somebody's emotional well-being. And so, you know, the the best thing that a leader can do is set the example, right? So so one of the tips that I give to employees is to name your feelings. Well, if they're on a team where the leader never names feelings, right? That they never say, "Man, I'm really disappointed with that the way that that went down," or, "You know what? I, I'm not on board with the way that this thing is going, but I know we have to do it that way. It's okay to to give negative feelings, those those words Mm -hmm. or that power. If we don't, all we're doing is acting like we're fine. Everybody else is feeling the same thing. 
right? At least about something at some time. People feel angry. People feel disappointed. So as a leader, the best thing we can do first is set that example, right? By talking about things like, I got passed over for that promotion. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's not a recent uh, organizational change you want to talk about, right? To be safe. You can start using personal examples in those one-on-ones, which by the way, leaders, if you are not having one-on-ones at least every other week, if not weekly, you're missing the boat. Mm-hmm. You're missing oh, I totally agree. the boat. You have to have that rhythm and structure because if you're like, just check me whenever you need me. No, that does not work. That does not work right. for humans. I don't care how high performing. I don't care how old they are. That does not work. Now, what makes us think that it works is that they accept it, is that the business keeps going, is that the employees keep showing up. So we think, eh, it's fine. Look at what look at what's happening. And I don't meet with them very often. Right. They let me know when they need me. No. Your business could be even more successful if you paid more attention to your people. Your relationship, your performance as a leader could be even more successful if you leveraged your team better or differently than you are right now. So it's all about showing up, making that connection, and showing that example. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this might be the point where a couple people are rolling their eyes and go, oh, God, it's all this touchy-feely emotional stuff again. You know, I don't want to be their psychiatrist. I'm their boss. Right. right? And, right. And I've seen that. Right. And yeah. I'll be honest with you. Ten years ago, I was that guy. Right. Yeah. I was the same way. It's like, listen, just get your job done. Leave me alone. Yeah. I, I, I've got my own problems. But but here's the thing. If you want to be a high performing leader, which let's face it, everybody does. They want to do a good job. The science, the research, the studies, everything shows that the performance of your team depends on your relationship with your team. That, that's it. And it, it is a, it's science, guys. I, I know nobody likes it, right? They, they get a little nervous and they're like, oh, I don't want to have all these one-on-ones. I don't have time. The science tells us, it shows us time and time again, if you want to be effective, you got to pay attention to your team. And that does include their feelings. Yep. And listen, I am not saying that you have to be their therapist. In fact, I don't want you to. You're not trained for that. Even I, right? I'm a coach. I coach middle leaders all the way up to C-suite. I am very careful to draw that line. So as leaders, you have to be very careful to draw that line too. But imagine, imagine if you never connected emotionally with your child, right? how distant and lost they would feel. And I know you don't want to admit it for for humans and adults because I've heard it like these people are grown adults. Yep, I get it. But as grown adults, we still need connection. And, And if... I'm not asking for you to write a sonnet about your feelings, but just literally, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm picturing you, Donald, 10 years ago, like, even if you just said, like, that pisses me off, right? Like, just being able and by giving permission for people to express their feelings, by the way, please don't always express bad feelings, right? But I want you to express both. If you are Pollyanna all the time, nobody's going to trust you. Right. But if you can balance that, I mean, there are plenty of times as a leader, and look, I was a leader in corporate America for over 20 years, and now I lead people as an entrepreneur. If there are times where I am feeling tired, I'm honest with my team. I'm off today, right? I'm just mentally off, guys. I need you to keep me on my toes. I'm giving them permission to call me out. So, so we got to do both, right? We got to like tell them how we're feeling both physically and emotionally and how that might affect our performance or our mood that day. And then we have to say things about work, right? Like I'm super stoked that that project went so well. I'm proud of you, right? We've got to start practicing that. And I know what happens. 
like the cycle continues, right? So I, I'm talking <laughs> to leaders and I know they're saying to themselves right now, well, I've never had a leader like that. Or maybe I had one. I, I, maybe I was lucky enough to have one. Okay. So you're saying I didn't get it. Why should they break the cycle? Because today's talent is not going to tolerate your crappy leadership like they did 10, 20 years ago. <laughs> they're just not. And I don't think they should because we, you, I know you could give them better. I know that you could. You're making a choice by the way that you spend your time. And I want you to refocus that energy to say, I'm going to connect with them on a daily basis. And and I'm not talking about like $20 worth of connection. I'm talking about pennies and nickels here, guys. Mm. Hand out your change of interactions and then make sure those $20 connections are happening either weekly for 30, maybe an hour if it's a really big deal, or at least every other week. But you've got to make sure that you're putting money in that bank or they're not going to perform for you, at least to the point that you want them to. They will never be a high performing team if you don't pay attention. There's two things that you, you hit on, I think, and in, in going back to the emotional stuff and, and drawing that line, right? We're not saying you need to hold their hand and sing Kumbaya, right? No. While, they're, <laughs> while they're going through a life crisis, although maybe occasionally that's needed. I don't know, depending mm-hmm. on your environment, but that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is you need to be real. You need to be real with your team. You need to be honest. You need to be candid. And you already alluded to the fact that it does feel a little bit like parenting sometime. And just like parenting, are you setting the rules or are you demonstrating the rules? That's two completely separate things. And I've had bosses that did both. It's, well, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Are you being candid? Are you being honest? Are you being real with your team about what's going on? I think so many times as managers, we feel that we need to be above reproach. We need to hide how we feel. We need to hide our frustrations. We need to hide the struggles that we have with assignments, right? Is it unrealistic deadlines and just unrealistic projects, right? We tend to hide that from our team because we feel that's better instead of actually being real with them, which actually is what promotes a high performing team. And so it's counterintuitive. We have to break that cycle that we have been trained with by so many bad managers, Completely, completely. And listen, we're talking about basic needs here of humans, right? So the the number one thing that people need to feel safe in any type of relationship, and I'm sorry you do have a relationship if you're leading people, is trust. They want to feel like they can trust their leader. They want to have a sense of self-worth. They want to feel competent in what they're doing. And they want to have hope for the future. Where are they going to get that feeling of competency and that hope for the future if not from you, their leader? Absolutely. Where are they going to get it? They're not going to get it. So you're leaving them with almost nothing, bare bones, bare bones. And this exists in every organization, guys. So I'm not saying that this is industry specific. This is not one layer of leadership. This happens at all levels and all types of, of organizations. But I do see that there are people who are doing this well. So that means I have hope. I have hope that if you as a leader make a choice that says, I'm not going to be the world's perfect leader, but I am going to be me and I'm going to make sure that I'm giving my people the best me that I can, you're going to get better performance out of them. They're going to stay longer. They're going to perform better and you're going to look better as a leader. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't <laughs> yeah. you That's what I think is so funny. It's like, even if you're the most selfish person in the world, <laughs> you're going to want to do this even selfishly, because it's going to be better for you personally if your team is higher performing. And I think there's there's no debate over what is going to be a better leadership style. There, there's really not. I, I think that, you know, maybe we look at the leadership of, of some of the more 
newsworthy leaders, right? A Steve Jobs or some of those that are uh, maybe not the nicest person to work with, but those are the exception and rather than the rule. And we try to pattern ourselves after a leader that may not fit our actual personality instead of bringing out what we're naturally good at and what is proven to work based on the personalities of your team. Right. And we listen, we've talked about setting the example. So if you are a leader and you are in conflict with somebody on your team, you have to resolve it. I'm not saying that you're going to be best friends, but you have got to work to bring that relationship back to neutral, right? So there's positive, there's negative on either sides of the of the pendulum. And then in the middle is neutral. I need you to work to bring that relationship back to neutral because otherwise that person, that talent is not only not performing, but they're negatively affecting the team. And guess what? It's not just their fault. It's yours. As a leader, it's you have to take ownership of that conflict and of the negative consequences that that's having for the team. So again, when we talk about setting the example, you cannot tell people to be high performing and to work out their own conflict if you are living in it, because they're going to see that. They're going to feel that. Even if you aren't articulating, which by the way, most leaders slip up, even if you're not talking about it, they can feel it. So if you're in conflict with an employee on your team, fix it. If you're in conflict with a, a peer or another leader within the company and you think people aren't seeing that either, they are. So do that work. Start there, right? And one tip I have for that is to make a respect list. There's a ton of things you could say probably negative about that person, but I want you to sit down and think about the things that you could respect about that person, right? Mm -hmm way that they execute X, the way that they know how to do Y, the way that they show up in this type of situation, the contributions they've made to the organization, the team, the person, the way that they parent. I, it doesn't matter. What do you know about this person? And write down a ton of positives. Where are those positives going to get you? They're going to increase the positive feelings that you have about that person. And then they're going to increase the likelihood that you actually will have and put together, right? Make the effort, I should say, to improve that relationship, setting the example. Absolutely. And it's funny because Brian Ahern, who was my last guest on the show, as we were talking about persuasion, talked about how you're more persuasive if somebody likes you and you like them. And the only way to do that is you actually have to like them first. It's very similar to the respect issue where there's always something, <laughs> no matter yeah. how irritating and annoying someone is and how much you dislike them. I guarantee, I guarantee this, this is always true. There's at least one quality, at least one that you can find that you either respect or like. I even think about some of the just terrible bosses I've had in the past that have, you know, thrown me under the bus and, and just done some really bad things that some stories I, I go into uh, actually in my book. And even with them, there's a couple of things about them that were worth emulating. Uh, because they were genuine. And so as as silly as this exercise may seem, it actually is extremely powerful to transform your relationships and transform the way you see maybe someone you view as an adversary. Totally. And listen, the more we speak out loud those positive affirmations, those positive thoughts about other people, the more people are going to think those about us. It's scientifically proven that if I'm talking about Donald and I say like, man, Donald is so strategic and he's so impactful. The more I say those types of words about Donald and other people, the more people actually think those words about me. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm not saying be manipulative if Donald really isn't strategic or impactful, but try to pick out those positive things. And the more you talk about those, 
side note, the less you talk negatively about those people, the more people are going to associate those positive traits with you. So this is a win-win for you as a leader. You're going to build your brand. You're going to build your relationships with your employees and everybody's going to perform better because of that. Absolutely. That's so, (laughs) that's great because I literally just read the article on the psychology of trait transference. It's exactly what you're talking about, where when you talk about someone, they actually are putting those traits onto you. So if you talk negatively about someone and say, oh, well, they're just, uh, they're just not a nice person. Whoever you're talking to actually associates that trait with you. Right. Right. (laughs) It's so crazy. That's so funny. Flip that script for you, flip that script to your employees and challenge your employees to do the same thing because we've all made mistakes and we sort of go down that path where maybe we think we've gone too far, right? Like my team's not salvageable, so I'm just going to tolerate their mediocre performance. Um, It's not too late. You can start to flip that script. If you're meeting with them one-on-one and you're challenging them, and maybe this is an employee who you really confided in before I've seen this happen with leaders and they let things slip, like you know, Joe is really annoying me. Yep. I I can understand why he annoys me too. Right. So they kind of join in and they're, they're trying to build trust with that one employee by talking about that, but by negatively impacting or talking about Joe in this situation, you're again, we, we know that that's going to affect the way that that other employee is viewing us, but we've also given permission that they should focus on those negative things. So the next time you're meeting with that employee that you have talked bad about Joe, and they start to go down that road, you know, you can just say something simple like, hey, look, I'm trying to work on my attitude. So let's focus on the positive. Here's one good thing I have to say about Joe. What about you? Just continue. And you can be that vulnerable. You can be that honest to say like, look, I'm trying to work on my attitude. Can you help me here? Put yourself Mm -hmm. at their level that you are human and that you are working to get better every day. As a leader, you do have the capability to change the culture of your team. I think the challenge that we see, especially in middle managers, is you can be a great leader, but the environment around you can be toxic, right? You can have competitive cultures. You can personally have a good boss, but you are responsible for that microculture within your team. You have control over that, and I think that's so important. Within your article, you talk about four human needs that everyone has, and it's your responsibility as a leader to have them. And the four you have are trust, which we've hit on. Number two is self-worth. Number three is feeling competent. And four is hope for the future. And all four of those are really powerful. And it's important to understand that you as the leader are responsible for fulfilling those four needs. Yep. And I know what's happening almost to a T. Every time I see somebody who is not performing as a leader, 10 times out of 10, they don't have a great leader, right? Or at least one that's accessible. So we can throw stones and I'm not because I've been a leader. I am a leader for, for you know over 25 years now. I'm not slamming you leaders. I know you're pulled in a lot of different directions, right? You're player coaches. You're doing all of these things. You are trying your best. But what happens is, is it tumbles down, 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 down the chain, right? And then we start to accept mediocrity. So we cannot use the excuse that you don't have a good leader, right? You cannot use that excuse. So change it, right? Start to. So for you as a leader, you're saying like, how can I help other people have self-worth, feel confident, hope for the future if I don't get that from anybody? First of all, you should be asking for that from your leader. You've got to manage up and tell them very clearly what you need and expect from them. And by the way, 
if I can get those things, here's the value I think I can bring to the organization. Don't forget that part, right? So mm-hmm. we often ask things of leaders and then we say that we just make the ask, right? I need to meet with you weekly. Well, why do you meet with, need to meet with them weekly? What's going to happen if they meet with you? Right. What's going to not only what's going to happen for your performance, but what do you think that your performance is going to do for the organization? Try to draw the parallel for them that this is a really smart investment of their time because they're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. So if you weren't getting it as a leader, ask for it. If you still don't get it, you've got to create it and you can create that with your team. Right. It's just like having a parent who you didn't have stellar parents, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to have those same patterns with your children. You can break that cycle. You can develop that culture and it's never, ever too late to shift it. Right. So think about those things. What am I doing this week to instill trust in my team? What am I doing this week to make sure they understand their self-worth? Right. That they have that they're proud of the work that they're doing. What am I doing this week to make sure they know what they're really good at, right? How am I aligning their work to their strengths? How am I, how am I, how am I matching that, right? Not, not everything you can do they're going to love and enjoy, but if you can show them how the big rocks you're giving them are aligned to their strengths and how you trust that they're going to do a good job and then praise them when they do, they're gonna, it's, it's gold. It's gold because then that results in the next one that you talked about, which is hope for the future, They want that hope for the future. There's got to be something that they're working towards. They really do want to be part of something bigger. And if we don't do it as their leader, I guarantee they're not going to get it anywhere else. Absolutely. That's so true. And I think it's also important to note, you need all four of these. If you have Mm -hmm. two of the four, it's still not going to work. If they have none, and so it's almost a building scale, right? If you've got one of the four, they're going to do better. If you get two of the four, they're going to do even better. But in order to truly be at their peak potential, you need all four. I can think about a time in my past where I had a guy that worked for me and we had trust. We worked together for a long time. We really trusted each other. We did a good job to working together. We had self, he, I know he had self-worth and so did I, right? He, I talked to him. We had good one-on-ones. He knew he felt competent. He was one of the best in his field. There was so much there. He's got three of the four, but what he didn't have was hope for the future. And the reason was because the company had said, basically, there's no more promotions. You're, you're at the top of the ladder where you can get. And not only that, HR had decided he couldn't get any more raises. He was going to get a 0% raise every year because they decided that, oh, well, you know what? You're paid at the top of your pay band. So mm-hmm. now we have somebody who is the best at what they do that can't be promoted, that can't get a raise, and there's not any opportunity for growth. Take a wild guess how their performance was. Oh yeah, mediocre. Either he he quit and stayed, right? right. Or eventually he quit, right? That's, Absolutely. that's what happens. So as a leader, if you if you're in that situation and I get it, there's organizational constraints every day that let's just say impede your ability to be uber successful as a leader. But those are rocks that you could use as an excuse or you can just look at them and say like they exist and I can work around them, right? So in that situation, if you have a a person, I've had that same situation with an employee, they went about as high as they could go and really the only role that they could take was mine. And at the time I wasn't going anywhere. So we talked about that and they were, you know, I gave them challenging projects. I did everything I could to build up their self-worth by giving them work they could be proud of, make them feel competent, aligned with their strengths, but they but they still didn't have that hope for the future. So then we started talking about what else in the organization they could do. Were there any other roles that they would be interested in that they could have those transferable skills? And that sucked because you guess what? That person was my number one player. 
They were so talented. They got twice as much work done on my team as anybody else. I didn't want to lose them, but that's not fair. I would have lost her anyway. If I would have tried to keep her confined, I would have lost her anyway. So I had to open up that conversation and say, where else could you go within the organization? Or not, where else could you go outside of the organization? I want to do what's best for that employee. And I have had time and time again where I did that. The employee stayed longer and gave me better performance. I know than if I hadn't have done that. They would have quit or they would have quit and stayed. And so I much rather open up that conversation, which goes back to the trust. I've rarely been blindsided when somebody leaves. Very rarely. I've always known when they've interviewed. I've always known and supported them. And by the way, that that won me a lot of points. So if it didn't work out, they worked really hard for me when they stayed. And I didn't hold that against them. So you've got to open up that conversation and be willing to do things differently, right? Just do them differently than they than you did before because doing things the same way and expecting different results, definition of insanity. Absolutely. And we should be encouraging that. I mean, that that's a tangential topic, but it's okay when someone grows out of your team, right? It's okay when that, that should be your measurement as a leader is who is growing, who is growing on your team out of the role that you have them in. And, and that's okay. That's a good thing. And I did a very similar thing with this gentleman is we looked at what other opportunities, you know, what do you want to do in your career? What, what type of autonomy do you need? What projects do you want to work on? Right. And again, it circles all the way back to having those one-on-one conversations and understanding what it is that motivates that specific individual because hope for the future is not the same thing for everyone. Understanding exactly what their hope is and why they're at work every day is how you're going to be able to get to number four and give them that hope for the future, which is going to keep them engaged and keep them as productive as possible. Completely, completely. And look, I'm all about really tangible. Give me something tangible that I can do, right? A task that I know if I executed it. And what Donald and I are giving you guys right now is the one thing that we know you could do to get better performance, right? To build trust, to increase self-worth, to increase the competency and to have that hope for the future. So I could give you a a list of small things that you could do to build that trust, to build a self-worth. And you'd have a list of probably 50 things, but we're saying there's one habit that you can instill as a leader that's going to build that trust and do the other things that we talked about. And that is making sure that you are connecting with your people on a regular basis. Really, really critical. And it's going to do wonders for you. I know that you're like, oh my gosh, I I don't have the time for that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because right now you're spending your time cleaning up messes. You're spending your time running around trying to find the person to figure out A, how their project went. And B, you're probably never asking the engagement questions, right? So save yourself some time. Make it more compact. Make it more succinct, right? And put that rhythm on it so they know what to expect. And so do you. It's the number one strategy you can do as a leader. And I think it's going to make you more happy too. I really do. Absolutely. And the fact that you're even listening to this podcast tells me that you want to be a great leader. You want to be a better leader than you are today. And that point is exactly what you need to be doing. You need to make sure you're connecting at a regular interval Mm -hmm. with your team. And if you do that, most of this stuff honestly will take care of itself naturally through growing a relationship. If you think about the relationships that you have in your life, you don't make a list of, okay, how can I give them trust? How can I give them self-worth? How can I help them feel confident, right? You don't think about those things because Mm -hmm. it's a natural outpouring of investing your time in that relationship. So if you do this one thing, if you meet with your team, you focus on understanding where they're at, a lot of this takes care of itself. 
Completely. Oh, I love that. You're right. Yeah. You don't have to think about each of these four things and how I'm serving them. You can just do this one action right now. Don't do it as a robot, but, but do this one action and get it in there because it's, 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 yeah, it is a valuable, valuable practice for sure. Absolutely. It's a genuine thing like you talked about. It is. And I'm a strengths-based thinker, right? I love Clifton Strengths by Gallup. And, you know, so let me give this one tip in terms of how to like actually get this done. I don't care what type of leader you are and where your natural skill set lies. I'm I'm a pretty b- big believer in batch working, right? So like putting like activities as close as you can together so that you are saving your energy and maximizing your energy. So you in other words, you know, if you're going to go to the gym, you know, I want you to sort of like put things close together that are, are are upper body or lower body. I want you to sort of use the same muscle group at one time versus trying to like work everything because you're going to exhaust it. Mm-hmm. So because as a leader, I know that it takes you a lot to get out of your day to day and say like, up, oh, I'm going to focus all my emotional energy, all my strategic energy on my employee because you're running from meeting to meeting. So instead of sandwiching it between meetings to meetings that are going to run over or you're not going to be focused or you're going to be checking your phone, put them back to back. Try it. Put them back to back. Pull up all that energy, right? All that like caring, thoughtful. I'm going to be a good listener today. Make sure you get good sleep the night before. Make sure you start the morning out right with whatever routine works for you. Make sure you aren't starting the day with with another meeting that's going to get you really conflicted. Just focus on your employees, right? If you've got six employees, do them back to back. If you've got 12, maybe split them up on two different days, um, depending on how long your meetings are, because you're going to be tired after these. You're giving a lot in these conversations. But when you batch them like that, you're going to be giving your other strengths a break, right? So those muscles get to rest and you're going to be leveraging these other muscles in a really good way that's going to feel really good for your employees. So that's my that's my tip because we're, we're telling you to get it done, but then you're like, how am I going to do it? First of all, you have to schedule it. Second of all, I think Mm -hmm. in order to make it really effective for you, you've got to schedule um, back to back. I don't know. Did you ever try that, Donald, when you were a leader? Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely did that. I I was obsessed with time management and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out the right way to do it. And as we've talked about, the number one thing you should be making sure you're fitting in is is your team. That's Mm -hmm. that's number one. Then everything else is second. And uh, meetings are really stupid, but that's another topic <laughs> that we could yeah. probably go in. But, you know, it's so important to be able to manage that time effectively and make sure you're like, as you talked about, batching those activities together to make sure you're more successful throughout the rest of the day, because you get so drained when you go into some of these circumstances, especially if it is a meeting that you know is going to be ridiculous. Uh, and yet you have to sit there for an hour and listen to it. You better manage mm-hmm. around that to know after that meeting, you're going to be pretty much worthless. <laughs> and so Completely. don't try to do anything productive then. Yeah, completely. So you know you have to take care of yourself before and after this this batch work because you're going to be giving a lot, but you're going to get so much back in return because you are really focused on connection and fo- you're going to get such a clear picture of your team too, right? So this is Absolutely. data for you. This is not this is a win-win, right? For you as a leader, you're going to get data, you're going to give connection, um you're going to give encouragement, support and resources, which by the way, it's not your job to do their job. It's your job as a leader to give them the encouragement resources and support that they need when they need it. And so you're going to be more likely to do that if you're meeting with them on a regular basis. And so, you know, my reminder again, you know, set these one-on-ones, batch the work. And by the way, 
Those are $20 investments that we just talked about, right? Don't forget about those nickels and dimes because I've also seen leaders who start to institute this practice and then the employees don't talk to them except for that one 30 minute or one hour period every other week or every week. Don't do that. Make sure you're giving out those nickels and pennies and dimes because they need to see you. They need to know what you're up to. They they need to watch you in action in order to you know emulate you and learn from you and gain respect for you. If they never see you in action, how are they going to know how to be connected to you and perform? They don't know what the expectations are for the organization. So I get it. Leadership is a big, big job, but you are making a choice to do it. So you might as well do it really, really well. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, there's so much truth to that and so much valuable knowledge that we can get from, you know, the tips that you have shared and we've talked about today. I know that I know that you have some resources on your website that uh, people can take a look at and get some value from. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and share what some of the things that you have out there for everybody is? Oh, for sure. So you guys can find me on buildhighperformingteams.com. I have quite a few freebies out there. Um, the Two of my favorites right now are related to the TEDx talk that I gave, let's see, in April. Uh, the whole focus of that talk was leverage your now to get to your best next. And so really what that means to you as a leader is it's preparing and leveraging your current career to get ready for whatever your next step is. You might not even know what that is, but it's all about maximizing where you're at to get everything you can out of it, but also to give value to the organization. And so that's a good message for you as a leader. It's also a resource that you can use with your team. And so what I did is I came up with a free reflection guide. So that helps people who watch the talk, take the talk a little deeper and really personally apply it because we all watch really fabulous TED Talks or we listen to a podcast, but then what do we do with that information? So so really try to integrate that into your day to day. But then the second tool that I came out with is a leader's guide. And that leader's guide, let's think about it like a meeting in a box, okay? So it is, I get it. There's a lot of pain around holding monthly team meetings, which by the way is another great practice. If you're not holding monthly team meetings, you're missing the boat. So I know it's hard. What am I going to talk about every month? And and by the way, we don't want to make that very tactical. Mm-hmm. We, we have tactical meetings in other ways, but this really needs to be focused, not necessarily on team building like trust falls and other things, but <laughs> focused on good content that's going to help individuals and the team grow and move forward. And so this meeting in a box is, is focused on my TEDx talk. It's look, have your team watch the TEDx talk, um, meet together to talk. Here is a facilitator. Here's the email you should send. Here's how you should talk about it. Here's how to facilitate the meeting. Boom, 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 boom. And here, this is key. Here's how to follow up both as a team and and one-on-one because reinforcement is also where we fall off as leaders. So use this guide. Um, I can include that link in the show notes. Uh, Go check out that page. Hopefully you'll find some value in that because I get it. It's hard to come up with these different topics. And I'm thinking about maybe adding a few more meetings in the box in the future, but we'll see how this one goes and, and how people feel about it first. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I definitely encourage everybody to to do that. Stop listening to podcasts on how to be a manager and start trying to be a better manager, right? And you can do that by getting some of this information that Anna has just shared. Definitely go to the website, download the guides, take a look at them. I absolutely know that you're going to get some value out of it, just like you did today on the podcast. So Anna, thanks so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I think we got some good actionable tips for people to put into practice today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Donald. I'm sending you and everybody some peace and progress in their day. Thanks, Anna. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I have no doubt you found some value in what Anna and I talked about. 
I definitely encourage you to check out her website. Look at the resources that she has. We just scratched the surface of things that you can do to become a more effective leader and build high-performing teams. Now I have something to ask of you. If you got something out of this show, will you share it? Share it with someone else that needs to hear this information, that wants to be a better leader and survive in middle management. Thanks again for listening. And if you have any ideas about topics or guests you'd like to see on the show, you can reach me at thecorporatemiddle.com. And remember, the reward for good work is just more work. See you next time.